0: Hello and welcome to Daily Interlake News Now. I'm your host, Taylor Inman. We're taking a look at some of last week's biggest headlines and what's coming up for the Flathead Valley. In this week's deep dive interview, I chat with Interlake reporter Kate Heston about the Quorum Experimental Forest. She tells us what Flathead National Forest officials say about the Ridge Fire providing future research opportunities. But first, here are some headlines. An ongoing effort to construct sidewalks in Evergreen has earned nearly $1 million in federal money to fund the second phase of the project. Ranking it as the top transportation alternative project of the year, the State Department of Transportation recently awarded the unincorporated community more than $999,000 in federal funding. For years, children unable to find a ride to school had to walk or bike along US-2 since Evergreen School District does not qualify for state funding for a bus system because the district is too small. Kalispell Representative Tony Brockman spearheaded the effort to secure funding for the project in the state legislature this year. The money will fund the construction of sidewalks along the highway from the intersection of Meadowlark Drive to the intersection of Terry Road and then from the intersection of East Evergreen Drive to the intersection of Poplar Road. The second phase of the project was also a part of House Bill 5, which passed the Montana legislature this session, where $1 million was set aside for the project in case the federal money didn't go through. In light of the funding from the State Transportation Department, the money from House Bill 5 will now return to the general fund. The partners, in cooperation with the Evergreen Chamber of Commerce, landed a $1 million grant from the Department of Transportation in September 2021 to create sidewalks from the former Kmart building to Evergreen Junior High School, what supporters refer to as the first phase of the overall project. The Evergreen School District was the applicant for the project, and companies will begin bidding on the project come winter. Organizers hope to have the first phase finished by the start of the school year in fall 2024 and the second phase by fall 2025. The Flathead City County Health Department has seen a slight uptick in COVID-19 cases reported to them over the last few months. The department recorded 21 cases in May, followed by 13 in June, and 49 in July. So far for the month of August, 21 cases have been reported. However, the numbers might not reflect the true number of cases in the county, as some people may go untested or not report their positive test, according to Population Health Supervisor Molly Freeman. Despite this spike, Logan Health has not seen an increase in hospitalizations, Logan Health Senior Marketing Coordinator Chris Leopold said the hospital's Infection Prevention Coordinator has reported consistently low hospitalizations. However, he said with the U.K. currently seeing an increase in hospitalizations, Logan Health is anticipating the potential for Montana to follow global trends. Locally, Freeman said there was a similar increase in cases in both June and July of last year. There are a lot of different factors that can affect the spread of viruses, so there is no way to definitively attribute the spike to any one cause. People ages 6 months and older are eligible to receive the COVID-19 vaccine. People who received the original COVID-19 vaccine and initial boosters are eligible to receive a bivalent booster, which contains protection against the original strains of COVID-19 and the Omicron strains that are active in the area right now. For more information, contact Community Health Services at the flathead City County Health Department at 406-751-8110. The annual Flathead Livestock Market sale auction at the Northwest Montana Fair hit another record this year, surpassing $1.2 million in sales. Nearly 300 animals were sold at the auction on August 19th at the Trade Center at the fairgrounds. This year's sale total was about $250,000 more than last year's sale, which also marked a record. This is the first year the nonprofit Flathead Livestock Sale Organization has overseen the sale. J.C. Pfeiffer sold the Grand Champion hog to Flathead Valley Le Schwab for $20 per pound. The average price per pound for hogs was $1,373 for a total of $672,000. Carly Tranel sold her Grand Champion steer for $20.50 per pound to Flat Tail Ranch. The average price per pound was $751 for a total of just over $459,000. Students who raise each animal get to keep all of the money they make from the sale, and many use the money to purchase an animal for next year or to start a savings account. The annual sale has been taking place for over 47 years. Kalispell City Council reviewed a third-party report on Monday that found the city's fire and emergency medical services are understaffed. The report was presented by Peter Finley of the Center for Public Safety Management and lays out a three-year plan to better staff the Kalispell Fire Department, expand its organizational structure, increase community engagement, and utilize effective resource deployment. The findings prompted city councilors to discuss the possibility of a future levy. Finley said overall, the Kalispell Fire Department is a high-functioning, progressive fire and EMS agency, but he said they are struggling with increasing demands for services. The report found that at least one additional fire station will be needed, in addition to the two that already exist. Finley said that city's response times are below the national benchmarks and stations appear understaffed. The report recommends a number of solutions laid out in a year-to-year plan. In the first year, the fire department should hire an additional firefighter and increase the minimum on-duty staffing to eight people. In the second year, one additional firefighter would be added to each shift, increasing the minimum on-duty staffing to nine personnel. In the third year, three additional firefighters would be added, upping the minimum on-duty staffing to 10 people at all times. Council previously reviewed a report from the Center for Public Safety Management regarding the Kalispell Police Department. It deemed the law enforcement agency similarly understaffed. That report recommended the department hire five full-time equivalent officers to help with the workload. City Manager Doug Russell and Council discussed the lack of available funds to enact the recommendations and talked about moving forward with a levy. Russell said since 70 percent of the general fund already goes into fire and law enforcement, there isn't much extra room to move money to either department. The fire department currently includes 35 personnel, 34 of which are sworn firefighters. Owing to Calispell's size, the city is required to have a professional fire department and cannot rely upon volunteers. City Council meets again September 5th at 7 p.m. And a Calispell man accused of shoplifting earlier this month racked up a felony charge after allegedly threatening to kill the arresting police officer. 23-year-old Christopher Thomas Shannon faces a felony count of threats or improper influence in official matters and a misdemeanor charge of theft following the August 22nd arrest at a downtown Calispell supermarket. He is expected to appear before Judge Heidi Ulbricht in Flathead County District Court for his arraignment on September 14th. Kalispell police officers arrived at the 1st Avenue East North Grocer at about 6.14 p.m. after store employees allegedly caught Shannon trying to sneak out an emergency exit with roughly $691 in merchandise. Shannon initially tried pleading with the officers as they took him to the Flathead County Detention Center, asking them to let him go, according to court documents. When that proved unsuccessful, Shannon allegedly grew angry and screamed profanities at the officers. As they arrived at the county lockup, Shannon announced his intent to resist, court documents said. He told an officer that, quote, he better be ready to use his gun. During the subsequent escort inside, Shannon allegedly declared he would murder the officer in cold blood. Court documents said he also alluded to having prison connections while reiterating his plan to kill the officer. The arrest came as Shannon was awaiting sentencing on felony charges of burglary and criminal mischief in district court. He pleaded guilty to both before Judge Robert Allison on August 3rd after striking a deal with prosecutors. For the arrangement, prosecutors were to recommend Shannon receive a pair of deferred three-year sentences, get credit for time served, and pay restitution. Deputy County Attorney Ashley Frechette, who is prosecuting the case, has since filed a petition to revoke Shannon's release on bail in district court, citing the August 23rd arrest. The lightning-caused ridge fire along the Hungry Horse Reservoir is burning in a portion of the Corum Experimental Forest and the Quorum Research Natural Area. Our environmental reporter Kate Heston fills us in on what officials are looking for after the fire is done burning. Hey Kate, thanks for joining me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. So for those who are unfamiliar, what is the Quorum Experimental Forest?
1: So the Corum Experimental Forest um, is out in uh, Quorum, kind of by where the ridge fire was happening. And um, it totals 7,500 acres and was established in 1933 um, and was created for the purpose of research. So it is an area in the forest where scientists can go in and actually human manipulate the area um, to study certain things, uh, specifically the ecology and dynamics of the Western larch species of trees and, um, and so, yeah, the rich Fire is burning a little bit in there, but it's also burning in the Quorum Research Natural Area, which is within the Quorum Experimental Forest, but it's a separate designation, um, and that is not supposed to have any human impact. So that is uh, 800 acres of land that was established in 1988 um, that is not supposed to be altered by humans, so scientists can track the natural ecology of the tree species itself.
0: Neat. Yeah, when you drive by there and you see that sign, experimental forest, it really just makes you think, oh, what are they doing in there? Yeah. Um, so what kind of stuff do they research?
1: Um, in the experimental forest, they have a multitude of studies going on at all times. Um, some of the topics that they look into are regeneration processes, cone and seed development studies, uh, determining like the best way to harvest the wood, um, and the interaction of flora and water to a wide range of forest treatments, kind of how tr- forest treatments affect the trees overall. Um, The research area, which is within the experimental forest, uh, some scientists refer to it as almost a control area because that is the untouched portion of the greater experimental area. And so they kind of are, it's a way to see both, uh, both realities.
0: Uh, So why are National Forest officials interested in, in the Ridge Fire?
1: Yeah, well, according to Kira Powell, who's the Flathead National Forest Public Affairs Specialist, um, the fire is unique because it's burning in two different classified areas. Um, Beyond the scope of those areas, it's just kind of like your normal natural uh, wildfire. Uh, But because it's burning in these areas at the same time, it's presenting a lot of cool opportunities for scientists in the future to reflect on these events. Um, So after this fire, researchers will be able to observe for example, how western large trees respond to fire um, when they're untouched versus how they respond to fire uh, based off of the different experiments as experiments that they're doing uh, in the experimental forest itself.
0: So because this is a full suppression fire, um, which means that crews are working to do everything they can to put it out, um, but they probably want to let it burn a little bit in these areas where they'd like to research, how are they mitigating that?
1: Yeah, so the entire Ridge Fire is a full suppression fire due to its location, um, just to structures and to communities. So firefighter teams are actively working to stop the fire from spreading. Um, In the experimental forest and beyond, where human uh, modification and human um, kind of a hand in it is normal, they are using like dozers or whatever means necessary to stop the fire from spreading. But in the natural research area, uh, there's supposed to be no human modification or humans are supposed to completely stay out of it so they can naturally monitor the Western large species. species. And so firefighters are taking um, in a less invasive form of firefighting where they are using hand crews and digging and using saws and trying to do as minimal destruction per se as they can to uh protect that sanctity that it's natural and that it is something that scientists have been able to track the natural progression and so they don't want to they don't want to mess that up too bad so yeah around there crews are using less invasive tactics um to suppress the fire while also protecting the validity of the area gotcha
0: um so you mentioned western larch um Is there
1: anything else they're going to be looking at after the fire is out? Um, It'll be interesting once the fire is out to see kind of what studies come from it. Uh, There will maybe be some comparisons about how western larch burns um, in a landscape that's modified by humans versus in a landscape that's not, uh, whether that be in regards to thinning or logging or forestry um, efforts. And also in years to come, it could reveal how a burnt population of These trees affect um, the next phase of the forest uh, and the next phase of western larch in the area. Um, But regardless, since these areas are constantly being observed for their significant purposes, um, these areas will constantly be observed post-fire as well. So in the historical record of these areas, there's going to be a cool spot in the research where a natural fire happened and scientists are able to look at the results um, or the effects of that fire from the perspective of already have studying the forest for decades. Yeah, really
0: neat. So this seems like a really interesting story to work on. What did you learn that
1: that you liked? Yeah, um, it's cool talking to forestry professionals and firefighting professionals um, about kind of the intentions behind what they're doing uh everything has a game plan and everything has a lot of thought that goes into it um like they're actively thinking about how to suppress fires in different areas and different designations um while also doing it and protecting the areas around that uh are important to the community and so It was cool to kind of just navigate with some of the people that I talked to the various designations of forest and what those mean in so many different circumstances, whether that be a burning fire or um, just a a normal summer. There's a lot of cool stuff going on, and I think that it speaks to kind of the bigger forest system in the um, United States. There's, There's a lot of different special areas that get a lot of attention. And I think that that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that's really neat. Um, Well, Kate covers the environment for us. She covers Statehouse among a a myriad of other beats. (laughs) Um, But thanks for your reporting, Kate. Thanks for being here. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Let's take a look at what events are coming up this week. Remember, you can find karaoke nights, art classes, and anything community related by going to our events calendar at dailyinterlake.com and for business owners and organizers out there, it is totally free to sign up and start posting your events for the entire region to see. The Rumble in the Bay Car Show in Big Fork takes place this Sunday. The show and shine starts at 10 a.m. with the award ceremony at 3 p.m. in front of the Big Fork Center for the Performing Arts. Proceeds from the event benefit VFW Post 4042's high school scholarship program. Join the Northwest Montana History Museum for their History Book Club on September 6 at 2 p.m., This month, they are discussing 56 counties, a Montana journey, with Billings author Russell Rowland. The book club takes place the first Wednesday of every month at the museum. And the Conrad Mansion in Kalispell will be holding fairy walks through their gardens every Thursday in September. The fairy walks will be held every Thursday in September and will be offered from 5 to 7 p.m. It's a free event and all ages are welcome. Thanks for joining us. News Now is a podcast from the Daily Interlake. We're proud to be the largest independent newsroom in Montana and the oldest paper in the Valley. Consider becoming a subscriber to support our work. Call 406-755-7018 or go to the subscribe tab in the top right corner of our website. And if you haven't already, subscribe to our YouTube channel to never miss an episode of the pod. Everybody stay safe and have a great week.